This program is sponsored by Biotech Holdings. Life and politics with Republican leanings. Welcome to Family and Friends, the show that mutes the sound bites and noise pollution to bring you the discussions and informative interviews you want to hear. Hosted by nurse, published biochemical researcher, and former congressional candidate, Pamela Ramos. Pamela and her team of friends tell it like it is, and no topic is off the table. Get ready to cut through the clutter. Now here's your host of Pamela and Friends, Pamela Ramos, on The Answer San Diego. Good evening and welcome to the Family and Friends Show. I am Pamela Ramos coming to you from sunny San Diego over the course of you, my very good friends, Kalina, Elijah, and Hazai. Hello, 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 friends. Go ahead and introduce yourselves. Kalina O'Connor. Hi, guys. What up? This is Elijah Kellogg. Hi, guys. This is Kayam Hazai. Hi. Welcome back, my friends, and welcome, Hazai, to the show. This is Hazai's first time with us. Thank you. It's Yay. better to be here. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Elijah, it was your birthday last week. Um, tell us about your birthday weekend. How did you celebrate? Were you able to enjoy any restaurant dining since we're moving into stage two? Well, yeah, I didn't actually go out, but I did have a great birthday. I had some uh, takeout food. Uh, unfortunately, we did have a nail in one of the burgers, but my son is so picky, so... A uh, nail? He found it, yeah. A <laughs> construction nail. Bad. So. Oh. But Shut the front door. It. So, but otherwise, no, we didn't go out. We didn't want to eat any hockey boots this week. So we'll wait. You know, I haven't dined in anywhere yet. I still get takeout. Plus, I don't really feel like taking my kids in a restaurant unless it's family friendly. And you parents understand that, right? It gets mm-hmm. really inconvenient. But you know, maybe I'll save that trip for the adults. Seasons did open up. A seasons fifty-two. We're ready. Yeah, we're ready. Um, I did see that Benihana is now open for their dining experience. You know, my kids love that restaurant. My daughter's really excited about that. I don't know why, because I can make what they serve there at home for cheaper. <laughs> but then again, you go there for the experience. The smoking volcano, mm-hmm. the Mickey Mouse made of rice, mm-hmm. the heckling of the table guests as the chef bangs his spatula all over the grill. I get it. That's my favorite part right there. <laughs> you can't flip a shrimp into her mouth, can you? No, no, okay. I can't. That's why the kids want to go. <laughs> you know, it'll be interesting to see what their setup looks like now. I mean, um, like I mentioned before, my son's graduating in a couple weeks, so this couldn't have come at a better time. He loves Benihana, and guess what? Looks like he's going to be able to walk and have some sort of ceremony, so I'm really excited That's about awesome. that. Good. It is. Anyway, getting back to the subject of dining, um, Kalina, have you been out? No. You know, I have three little kids, and we're all crazy, and I don't want to get kicked out because we can't socially distance. I don't want to get kicked out with masks. That's embarrassing. I'll wait. I understand. Has I? We actually, me and my wife, we ordered some food to go from uh, a restaurant, and then we picked it up, came home, and, you know, uh, sat in front of a TV, Netflix and chill, so mm-hmm. we just enjoy, mm-hmm. you know. Netflix and chill. Netflix and chill. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, I'm also really excited about being able to go shopping again at places other than the grocery store. There's like, you know, like Target or Costco. Get family, you've been shopping this entire time, shopping online, but you haven't stopped. <laughs> it's not the same. <laughs> I want the full experience. Well, you're going to get it, mask and all. Yeah. Nothing wrong with shopping. Right? <laughs> you know, on tonight's show, we'll be hearing from Delilah Luna, the Development and Public Relations Manager for Silent Voices, a pregnancy resource center located in Chula Vista. Um, I don't know if you guys know this, but I'm actually on the board of this PRC. I mean, I know you do, Kalina. Remember the gala that, we, yeah. that they had? With Dr. Ron Archer. He made us laugh, made us cry. I was bawling like a baby. And so were you. 
you, actually. You know, we were it, all worried. Yeah, yeah. He definitely had my emotions confused. Yes, yes. <laughs> I mean, he gave a very moving speech about his life from a trick baby to a national leader. Now, if I caught your attention, check his story out online. Truly inspirational, almost unreal. I'm glad I got to hear him in person. Mm-hmm. Trick baby. You know, it's a trick baby. A woman of the night's child. Nice mm. way to put it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he has an interesting past. Again, such a great speaker. Anyway, Silent Voices is a great ministry that helps women and their families facing an unplanned pregnancy. I can't wait for you to learn more about it. It's organizations like these that truly are about offering choices rather than pushing for one choice. Mm-hmm. And we all know what that choice is. Yeah, the wrong choice. Infamous Planned Parenthood? Or more appropriately, Planned Murderhood. Yeah. <laughs> you know, speaking of Planned Parenthood, our second guest helped investigator David Delighton prepare for his role as a biomedical representative, which enabled him to expose Planned Parenthood's unethical practice of selling aborted baby parts even as their hearts were beating. Ugh terrible. Are you kidding me? No. Um, Dr. Teresa Dicer has a PhD in molecular and cellular physiology from Stanford University and is founder of AVM Biotechnology, whose mission is to end the use of aborted babies in biomedical research. Her company is involved in researching and developing cutting-edge stem cell treatments. Recently in April, they received FDA approval for the treatment of lymphoid malignancies using one of their technologies. Um, their research also shows this molecule can be affected in, in the treatment of viruses, including COVID-19. Whoa. Yeah. She is also president of Sound Choice Pharmaceutical Institute. More from her later. Okay, so hold on. Does AVM stand for Ave Maria? Yes, it does. <laughs> Interesting <laughs> name. I mean, is this the name of the doctor from Seattle who suggested the fetal DNA in vaccines is what causes autism, right? Mm-hmm, it is. Um, you know, I was really shocked when Andres, and you know him. Yeah, one of the prey warriors for the 40 Days for Life, right? Mm-hmm. He told me that vaccines have fetal cells from aborted babies. I mean, in the beginning, I thought this was a conspiracy theory, but when I checked the FDA website, it was there in plain view that MMR vaccines are made using hem- human fetal lung cells from a baby that was killed in 1965. Oh. This baby's cells were then expanded. I mean, think about it. This baby's DNA is now a part of everybody who's taken this vaccine. Me, you, everyone. Mm. Man, well, cells mutate. So how do we know that these cells haven't mutated in 60 years? You know, great question. Remind me to ask Dr. Deicher. I mean, most medicines we use now are newer medicines. The MMR vaccine is made from an older cell whose biological age is 60. And you know what? I do remember asking my pediatrician if they had an alternative vaccine for MMR that wasn't derived from baby parts. And she adamantly denied that they were, even though it stated on the FDA website that they were. Uh, She probably didn't even know what you were talking about. Or how to pronounce any of the ingredients. You know, I'm not an anti-vaxxer. They do save lives. I mean, I question some of the ingredients. I mean, as a parent, you feel helpless because of the mandatory vaccine laws. Mm -hmm. And they even gone so far as removing the religious exemptions. I mean, what about our rights as parents or even humans? My body, my choice. Mm Mm-hmm. How do, how do the rest of you feel about vaccines? Well, me, I'm against it. My grandma is 80 plus. She hasn't had a flu shot or any shot, and she's doing great. So I'm going to stick with her uh, her trades. <laughs> um, I mean, I'm grateful that I have you, family, as a friend because you were a nurse, you know, so I could talk to you about spacing out the vaccines. Because if you ask mm-hmm. my pediatrician, that's not real. You can't space it out, but you can. You can yes, space you them can. out. Yes, you can, definitely, yeah. definitely. And so there's little ways for me to baby step around it since right. I have to do it. Mm-hmm. And that's a smart way. Uh, actually, I would like to say that the role of a vaccine is to boost immunity. You mm-hmm, know, uh, mm-hmm. the COVID vaccine is already being tested and it's uh, shown to be safe. You know, so yeah. why not? Yeah. You know, I used to give vaccines when I worked as a pediatric nurse at a primary care clinic. I mean, I felt terrible 
about doing it. You know, I hated being the bad guy with a tray of needles <laughs> and silly stickers as consolation prizes. The kids would cry when they saw me. I mean, it wasn't fun. I can totally see that. I'm going to tell my kids you did that. Oh, no, okay? no, don't. Because they hate vaccines. I'm don't. telling on you. <laughs> yeah, but what kid really likes vaccines? Yeah. You know, surprisingly, I did give vaccines to a baby that didn't cry or flinch, even with the Prevnar. And that's the one that sings the most. Okay, so what? He was a super baby. <laughs> <laughs> right? But when it comes to vaccines, um, I really think there should be a balance between the risk and potential benefits. I mean, it, it doesn't help that the very history of vaccines is tainted with numerous catastrophes that aren't even discussed today. Mm -hmm. I mean, for example, in the early days of vaccines around the 1900s, vaccines were made using monkey brains. Wait, that's gross. It that's, is. That's gross. I'm surprised they didn't use bats. <laughs> or scorpions. <laughs> right? But certain children developed immune responses to the monkey brain proteins, which then attacked the children's brains, causing a disease similar to multiple sclerosis. Um, other vaccines have caused severe allergies and other immunological abnormalities. And the scary thing about vaccine is that the effects on the body last several years or forever. But think about it. Medicines eventually clear your body. Vaccines mm -hmm. stay in your body and change it. Ooh. You know, um, therefore, I really think safety studies and long-term observations are paramount. The intention is good, but sometimes the result isn't. But then again, we have to be guided by science rather than emotion. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Definitely. So how do you feel about the um, the corona vaccine that they're developing? I mean, there are many out there right now, but the one leading is the one from Moderna. I mean, they claim to have beautiful data showing immunity to the virus in healthy volunteers. But then again, we don't know what's going to happen 10 years down the line. Yeah, kind of like what Hazai just said. You know, the purpose of a vaccine is to stimulate our immune system, right? To fight the whatever they're putting in us, correct? Right, Mama? right. So, I mean, I don't really want to be a guinea pig, but I feel like we're probably going to have to be going by what the news is saying. I feel like we're all going to have to get these vaccines. Yeah, we, we might can't all the house. have to. Or I'll wait till everyone yeah. else takes the yeah, vaccine. We'll <laughs> and then I'll be immune. We'll go to Mexico. <laughs> yeah. Probably. I just can't really... I look at it like this. Uh, I say it's already been over a month, and they said you don't got any symptoms or signs. I don't feel like I have any... Um, so I don't feel like I need to take a vaccine. And so that's just my opinion. Yeah. Right, right. You know, believe me, I want nothing more to trust in science. But let's face it, the body's physiology is always changing. Viruses are mutating. I mean, do we play Russian roulette? Good point. I might consider it if it's organic, non-GMO, non-toxic, has ingredients you can pronounce, <laughs> no side effects, and absolutely no baby parts. Okay, that's a tall order. Okay, lady. But uh, you never know. So many companies, so many scientists are working on this day and night. It's going to be a race to the finish, you know. It is going to be a race, but I'm just going to keep it healthy with the herbs and the yoga. Good point, Elijah. Happy. You know, I agree. We all need to be healthful and mindful. I mean, I've been taking a nutraceutical called Quadrimune from Therapeutic Solutions International. It has four key ingredients that work to increase our own natural killer cells. I mean, it has um, terastilbene, which is a potent antioxidant, green tea extract, broccoli sprout extract, and nigella sativa, a precursor of hydroxychloroquine. Okay, so I understand the last three ingredients. I get those. But what is the stero—whatever word you said? <laughs> Terosilvine. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it's, I work with plants. It is one of the main constituents in blueberries. Oh. Yeah, yes. that's right. Okay. It is. It is. I mean, have, have you guys had any bad reactions to the vaccines? No. Your kids? Nope. nope. I don't know, but they bad right now. <laughs> Maybe. Um, do you remember Gardasil? Yes. I remember those commercials that made us all feel like yes, crap about ourselves. Yes. I mean, I'm so glad I didn't give that to my kids and their commercials. They would make you feel like awful parents yeah. for not giving this poison to your child. I mean, why did you not protect me with the vaccine? Now I have cervical cancer. Yeah. 
And then for the boys, it was, now I have throat cancer. Oh. <laughs> no, you have cancer because you're doing something you weren't supposed to be doing. I mean, seriously, <laughs> that's fear-mongering at its finest. I know, I know. And now they totally have a lawsuit against them. <laughs> well, there we go. Yeah. Everybody got a lawsuit. Yeah. Clash action law. Oh, no. And everything, all the drugs out there. I was right at that age when that came out, right after I was at the age where I could get that vaccine. And if I remember want... almost getting bummed that I didn't get it when I saw the commercials. You want the side effects, too? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my Well, goodness. no, now thank God I didn't. But I was almost mm-hmm. bummed. Like, mm-hmm. I could prevent, you know, they made it sound amazing. You know, I yeah. My and, and me working at one of, you know, a primary care clinic for children, they yeah. were, like, pushing the vaccine. And I was like, no, I, I, no, I don't know about my <laughs> giving that to my kids. And I'm, I'm so glad I did didn't. Yeah. You know? There's autologous and non-autologous. Yes. We'd all be on a lawsuit mm-hmm. right now, though, so hey. Yep. We're about ready for our first guest. Please stay tuned to hear from Delia Luna from Silent Voices. Sit tight. We'll be back. Yay. Boom. The interviews you want to hear is on the way with Pamela and Friends on The Answer San Diego. No topic is off the table, and these intellectuals tell it like it is. It's Family and Friends on The Answer San Diego. Now here's your host, nurse, published biochemical researcher, and former congressional candidate, Pamela Ramos. <laughs> you guys are making me laugh. Stop it. I'm here listening to Pamela and Friends. I'm Pamela Ramos, and here with us is Delia Luna um, of Silent Voices, a pregnancy resource center in Chula Vista. Welcome to the show, Delia. Thank you, Pamela. Nice to be with you. Thank welcome. you. Yes, welcome. So um, let me ask, how are you? How are you doing? Well, I am surviving. <laughs> doing really well, actually, over here. All of us, right? I will survive. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> so tell us, Silent Voices, what is it? Well, we are a pregnancy resource center that has been here in the Chula Vista from area for many years. We've serviced all the San Diego South Bay area. And we provide pregnancy and parenting education as well as free things like diapers, wipes, clothing, and provide post-abortion support for women who have dealt with a past abortion and the loss that accompanies that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So Silent Voices was founded in 1984 by Sharon Pierce. Can you share more about that? Well, it happened actually through a request through Horizon, uh, Horizon Christian Fellowship. Sharon was attending there when someone, uh, the pastor, I believe it was, uh, questioned her about opening up the center or sharing about her experiences that she went through when she was working at a hospital. She was exposed to the abortal fetal part that Mm -hmm. came through the center that she was in. So her experience dealing with seeing those babies, the loss that occurred with it, and then her struggle overcoming that, that anger and frustration really brought her to a point where she recognized the need for women to find that healing through the post-abortion support groups that she provides. That's great. So she so, saw something horrible yeah. and turned it into something beautiful. Mm-hmm. I love yeah, that. That's great. she did. Yeah, it, it was a really traumatic thing for her. And, and it's, uh, truthfully, I'm not sure how she got through it. She actually was in as a candy striper at the age of 15 oh, wow. in this uh, center uh, where, you know, every uh, the pathology center where everything that comes out of the body you have to review. Oh. So at 15 mm-hmm. years old, she was seeing these little baby carts. Oh, no. And, but she was a baby um, herself. Yeah. Yes, yes. So she had a lot to share for these women and really understood the saving grace of God because of her own situation. Mm-hmm. Amen. Yeah. So why did you get involved in the pro-life movement? Well, I myself, I started off 
um, very young, I guess you could say. I started off as a baby in the pro-life movement. <laughs> my parents took me um, to, at that time to picketing in front of Planned Parenthood. But truthfully, my real experience came when I was pregnant with my daughter. And I had this experience where I really felt like I had to have an abortion myself, which really didn't make sense to me because I was totally against abortion. Mm -hmm. But I was, I had just married my husband. We, I was uh, 19 years old and, you know, growing up as a Christian, I knew, you know, you're not supposed to have um, pregnancy out of wedlock. And so I was thinking, oh, I have to have an abortion to hide this shame that people are going to find out that I got pregnant before I got married. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it was this whole mess. And that just pressure pushing down on me was mm -hmm. so intense. Um, luckily, I didn't go past that. It, you know, it, it came and it went. And I felt like in that moment, God was showing me what women go through when they feel they, this is their only option, yeah, especially Christian women, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and how they feel like they have to hide the shame and the guilt of what they've gone through. Yeah. So um, it was at that point I was like, you know what, I need to open up a place where I can share with women that this isn't what God wants for us. He wants to show His amazing grace and His mm -hmm. forgiveness and help them to choose life for their children. Yeah, and at exactly. that point, I didn't even know that pregnancy centers existed. I I was thinking I was making it up. <laughs> <laughs> and then, like, six months later, after my daughter was born, I go to pay a bill at a my insurance company for my car, and down below, I see this place called Silent Voices. And I'm thinking, what is that? You know, it looks like it's a Christian place. You know, it looks really nice. It has three pregnancy tests written on there. But I was a little scared to go and visit them, so I didn't do that. The next month I went again, saw it, but I saw on the sign it says, we do not perform abortions. And that word abortion really put me off. I was like, no, I don't want to go there. Mm -hmm. But the third time, God was telling me, go check this place out. And so I went to Silent Voices. I met Sharon's mother, Kay, who was working here at the time. That's cool. And she mm -hmm. shared with me everything that they do. I was like, oh, my God, Lord, this is exactly what we do. <laughs> It was amazing, and it just, yeah, it just really inspired me, and I've been volunteering and now working here ever since, and that was back in 2001 awesome. when, I, when I found out about Silent Voices. That's great. Mm -hmm. So tell us the mission and vision of Silent Voices. Well, our, our mission really is to reach women who are dealing with a past abortion as well as those who are dealing with a uh, crisis pregnancy and helping them to understand God's love for them. Our vision is that we will provide life-saving um, support and to make abortion unnecessary and unwanted mm -hmm. by providing them real choices, mm -hmm. support and education, and to strengthen family relationships. And all of this we service throughout all of the South Bay area, so not just in Chula Vista, but like National City and San Pedro and Carroll Beach. Nice. Mm -hmm. Tell us more about the post-abortion support outreach. I mean, that's an important, it's important. That's mm -hmm. a tough one, yes, yeah. definitely. So that, uh, the program that we do was actually started by Sharon back when she first started the Horizon Christian, started in Horizon. And she created a whole program over a three-day weekend. So they, she tries to have these, um, what she calls a, I'm trying to think of what that word is, a retreat. So she has a retreat about three to four times a year, and it's just a small group of women. And really, it's an opportunity for them to recognize their worth, 
the loss of a child and the reunification through Christ in heaven. And it helps them to find the joy that they can receive in their reunion in heaven. And it also allows them to share in that grief of the loss of the child. That's really cool because it's a forgotten group, really. Yes, it is. It's Mm -hmm. a forgotten group of women. That's rad that you guys do that. That's really cool. Yes. And I, you know, I've heard from so many women who have gone through it and how much it changed their lives and really helped them to release the pressure that they were dealing with that some of them didn't even recognize at first was coming from the abortion. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, what do you believe is the biggest reason that women get abortions? Why do you think... You know, why do you think women are getting mm-hmm. abortions? Why? I, I would say that the biggest reason is lack of education. One yeah. of the things that I hear the most of is I had no idea that it was actually a child inside of me. You know, they come in and they look at our, our models of the babies and they see how the baby is growing. That's one of the biggest things. Plus also lack of knowledge of the resources available for them. I had a couple who came in, young uh, young couple, they were probably in their 19s, I believe, 19-year-old, 20-year-old. And when I told them about all the resources that were available to them, it was like this huge weight was lifted off of them, and they were just so happy and joyous. Like, there's so many things that they they don't have to do this alone. They do have that support available, and we're there to provide it for them. So I'd like to interject. Pamela knows this, but when I was pregnant with my oldest son, Um, I originally went to Planned Parenthood. Mm -hmm. They pushed for an abortion, Mm -hmm. and I happened to be Googling, and I found a pregnancy resource center a lot like your guys up in L.A. Nice. I showed up. I did not know that it was religious-based. I showed up. They welcomed me with open arms. I was terrified, and they told me that abortion was not my only option, and I Mm -hmm. felt like it was, and they showed me that there were other ways, and they counseled me. I had counseling with them up until Mason was about six months old, you know, so postpartum. It was absolutely fantastic. And I can't imagine That's how different funny. my life would have been. And, you know, my oldest son wouldn't be here if it wasn't for a group like your guys. So I'm forever grateful for the work that you ladies do. Yes. I am grateful to hear that and for your <laughs> child, too. Yeah. Yes. You're, you're right. A lot of women will come to say, this is our, this is my only option, which is so hilarious that they say, oh, we're providing them a choice. But yes. not. Yeah. You're only exactly. giving them one choice. Yeah, there is one choice. Exactly. There. One. This, exactly. Me, this mm-hmm. is Elijah here. I am. Uh, I, I work with nature, with plants. Um, for what we learn in that system is we just basically use what we call an almanac. So 28 days, 12 hours, 52 minutes, 12 seconds, it either drops or spots. So we, in a sense, use more of nature in helping these women as a tool. They will be able to monitor their cycles more to actually help them in situations that are not crisis situations mm. in having children. Interesting. Okay. That is interesting. Yeah. yeah. Um, kind of like a, uh, that, that goes around with natural family plan- planning, don't you think? That's what yeah. I was thinking, yes. Yeah, tell, so yeah tell us about that. Is that like the pull-out method? You could, well, not necessarily. It's more like the avoidance method. Okay. <laughs> in, in other words, um, we use what is called the billing ovulation method or natural family planning where we help women and their spouse or their partner, whoever they're with, they both have to be in collaboration with this. But Sharon is the one who teaches this course. And it helps the women to understand their body and when learning when they are fertile and when they're not. So it's more of avoiding that time when you are fertile from having any type of sexual intercourse and recognizing the times when you can be intimate without the um, 
the, the uh, consequences of pregnancy afterwards. Wow. Oh. So um, what are the biggest challenges facing the organization? How are you planning to meet them? And how can we help Silent Voices? Okay, well, that's a lot of different things. So I'm going to share step by step here. <laughs> um, the biggest challenge is getting women to come to our center. We are um, a small little organization, and we're kind of not on the not on the beaten path. We're off to the is that, is that how you say it? We're off to the side, anyways, and <laughs> mm-hmm. so not very visible. And so one of the things that we did to be able to increase our visibility and our outreach was to get a mobile ultrasound van, which Mm -hmm. will allow us to go to the different cities that we serve here in the South Bay. So we're going to be driving over to San Ysidro, Imperial Beach, National City, and even over into Coronado. That's awesome. And providing the free pregnancy test. Plus, we're going to be getting our clinical license to do free ultrasound. Nice. So that we... is one of the big things that's going to help us to reach more people because 99-cent pregnancy tests have really brought our, our, right, our right. exam. Right, right. Yeah. It's like, you don't need that free pregnancy test anymore. Yeah, I can <laughs> we <spend> don't. <laughs> no. Well, so um, is there a website that listeners can log on to or get on? Oh, definitely. Yeah, so Silent Voice. Silentvoices.org is our website. You can That's the one for donors. And if you want to share with someone who is in need, I would send them to realchoiceschulavista.com mm-hmm. and just let me put a little plug in there. So remember we said that um, Planned Parenthood only provides one choice, but we are providing real choices. Yes. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you so much, Delia, for Thank sharing you. about Silent Voices. Up next, we have pro-life scientist Dr. Teresa Dyshore. Please stay tuned. More of the discussions and informative interviews you want to hear is on the way with Family and Friends on The Answer San Diego. No topic is off the table, and these intellectuals tell it like it is. It's Family and Friends on The Answer San Diego. Now here's your host, nurse, published biochemical researcher, and former congressional candidate, Pamela Ramos. You've got to be kidding me. <laughs> we'll stop oh. dancing one day. Okay. Welcome back to Family and Friends. I'm your host, Pamela Ramos. And as promised, we have with us President of Sound Choice Pharmaceutical Institute and CEO of AVM Biotechnology, Dr. Teresa Deicher. Welcome to the show, Dr. Deicher. It's truly an honor to have you yes, here as our is. guest. Welcome. Welcome. Thank you. It's happy. It's a pleasure to be with you. So, Dr. Deicher, tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, I am the founder and CEO of a Seattle-based biotechnology company called ABM Biotechnology, as well as the president of a nonprofit uh, research institute called Sound Choice Pharmaceutical Institute. Mm-hmm. My background has been in uh, biopharma, biotechnology, with companies like Amgen and Immunex, Genentech. And my uh, doctoral degree was in molecular and cellular physiology from Stanford Medical School. What I'm getting from this is that she's very smart and very well-educated. Very. Yes. (laughs) You have a significant track record of not just scientific achievement, but also translating your ideas into treatments and cures for disease. Congratulations. What are the main scientific breakthroughs or advancements that you have achieved in your opinion? Well, um, for me, I think my career has been really exciting from 
as far back as uh, graduate student days. So I worked on the use of beta blockers for heart failure. And at that time, the um, experts in the field or the scientific dogma, the medical dogma said that beta blockers would kill heart failure patients. Um, But I'm very data-driven as well uh, as were my colleagues. And so we persisted and beta blockers are now standard of care. Mm-hmm. Right on. You proved him uh, wrong. Yeah. <laughs> Good for so, you. Very exciting. And um, I, I was interested in, um, you know, regenerative medicine um, at that time, uh, which was also very controversial. And um, unfortunately, that work um, was sort of shut down because no one wanted to hear anyone talking about cardiac repair or regeneration. Uh, but subsequently, um, I was uh, I was the first person to I- isolate pluripotent stem cells mm-hmm. uh, from adult tissue, but, which was a really exciting breakthrough um, and and very important to teach us about how the body naturally repairs. Um, I think those for me would probably be two of the most exciting. Uh, you know, points in my career. There have been others, and probably the most exciting is the the drug that ABM Biotechnology is is developing right now called ABM 0703. It's very novel, very exciting uh, mechanism mm-hmm. of action. Yeah, that's the one you were talking about earlier. Yeah, right, congratulations on your FDA clearance to begin clinical trials on that. Can you tell Thank us more? You. Can you tell us more about yeah. it? Absolutely. So um, this is a small molecule, and um, the way that it works is it stimulates a person's own body to release these supercharged immune cells into their bloodstream called natural killer T cells. And, so is that helping uh, with COVID? Uh, you know, it, the mechanism of action uh, our first indication was, you know, non-terminal, no option, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma with plans to expand into other areas. But natural killer T cells by nature like to kill cancer, viruses, and bacteria. And so we are working um, to get it um, into the COVID patients, yes. Nice. That's nice. rad. I know. Nice. Let's dive into the fun part, AVM. What a name for a company. IO. Ave Maria Biotech. How did you come up with that? Well, the company is actually named after the daughter that I wanted but never had, and oh. I wanted to call her Maria. Nice. And so my mother suggested that I name the company, you know, Maria, after the daughter that I never had, mm-hmm. and suggested some names that were just really, you know, kind of flat. Well, you know, being Catholic, yeah. I thought, Ave Maria, that's beautiful. And originally we were Ave Maria Biomedical Research Corporation, but that, if you can believe this, is trademarked. And so oh, we do business with AVM. <laughs> I would not have guessed that. Yeah. I, I wouldn't have either. Whatever. No. It's still a super yeah. cool name. It's yeah. a super cool name. Yeah. <laughs> Love it. It is. Well, earlier we were talking about how you inspired and prepped David Delayden. Tell us about that. Well, um, in David Delayden, I, I had given a talk in California um, about the use of, um, you know, fresh aborted fetal tissue in, in biomedical research. It's a really a 
pervasive practice. Yeah. And he called me afterwards. Um, he had never heard of such a thing. And, you know, whether you are um, pro-choice or pro-life, and I don't really like that choice. It's not really a good choice. But the cannibalization of, you know, the human, a human baby should alarm us all. And what's most alarming is that particularly in the research that's published in, in about the heart and about the brain is that as a scientist who does research on hearts and animals, I know I knew that those babies had to be alive when their mm-hmm. hearts were cut out. Mm, that's that's the only way you can get re- relaxed heart tissue. And if the heart goes into contracture, you can't use it. That's heavy. That's um, heavy stuff. Yeah, and that this is being done on babies born alive mm. uh, without anesthesia. I mean, you know, as, as oh, no. late as five and six months gestation. I mean, we wouldn't do that to a mouse. Yeah. It's sad how we treat humans. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think of yeah. um, aborted babies and vaccines? So- well, aborted babies are not in vaccines. Mm-hmm. Cells, cell lines yes. were created from the bodies of, of babies that had been electively aborted. And, you know, that's ethically and morally problematic. Uh, but, you know, a more concern is the fact that the final product is contaminated with DNA fragments from the cell line. And those fragments are really primitive. And so for a certain amount of the population who also have a genetic susceptibility of primitive DNA, those fragments are really dangerous because they can trigger autoimmune diseases or insert into the recipient's stem cells and cause mutations. And, you know, we look at our children in the U.S. who are so heavily vaccinated and Mm -hmm. yet they're sick. Okay, now, doctor, can I ask a question? Yeah. So could it be that, you know, the autism that people talk about with the immunizations, could that not be from what's in them, but could could it be from dead babies, you know, or connected to that maybe? Well, I, 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 I strongly believe it's connected to the human fetal DNA that contaminates the vaccines. That okay, yes, you word that much better than I do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it, okay. it's not like a gene from the dead baby. That's not possible. Okay, interesting. What you, about uh, contaminations of the blood with the metals in it? Well, I, I don't, I think we need to take a good long look at our vaccines and the ingredients and adjuvants in it. Um, you know, the reason they're there is that economic, um, also because they're multi-use vials, and so they're required for sterility. Um, but I, I, I really think that the more we learn, if you read the papers and you read the package inserts, um, you know, over 3.5% of children um, who are vaccinated have a new onset autoimmune, chronic autoimmune disease. I feel like they make those I mean, package inserts hard to read on mm-hmm. purpose for like a normal person like myself yes. who doesn't have a nurse well, they, or a they, doctor background like you guys. Yeah, they do. You got to be a nerd like me who really likes <laughs> <to read> them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, or they, they, they put those results in the supplementary materials. Most people just read the abstract. I read everything. But if people read that, you know, 
and then really read the true risks of the disease. Um, you know, as parents say, if children who've been harmed, if I had known, yeah, mm-hmm. the point. That's a sad I thing. wouldn't have. Half, wouldn't have done it. Half of know? the procedures are and, done banking on the people not reading the information provided to them. Good point. Yeah. Well, and the information isn't even all there. So, right. I mean, uh, I, you know, I believe in choice. You yeah. know, people should be able to choose to vaccinate their child or right. not to vaccinate their child, but they need to be given the accurate information about the risks. I agree so with that. That's make. A logical choice and then let them choose, you know, and this nonsense about, you know, well, we need herd immunity. Well, if the vaccines mm-hmm. work and your child's vac- vaccinated, you don't need herd immunity. Right. You know, it's the, the unvaccinated children are no danger to vaccinated children. You know, that's scientifically mm-hmm. preposterous. So. <laughs> right. So um, the current Moderna vaccine, what do you think about that one? Um, you know, I I think I'm very skeptical about the ability to create an efficacious and safe vaccine against the coronavirus, um, the SARS-CoV-2 or the COVID-19. So there has never been a vaccine that has been successfully made against the coronavirus. Mm-hmm. The coronaviruses mutate quite rapidly. Mm-hmm. So this will perhaps become an endemic pandemic like influenza A, and they'll be guessing at what vaccine to make based on, you know, last year's strains. There's, I think, 32 different strains. So, you know, I think if a vaccine is possible, there needs to be extensive safety testing, and that's years down the road. So I will not be first in line, doctor, right? Moral of the story? I would... I would never take it. Cool. Right. And um, I think it's extremely dangerous what they're doing, rushing forward in volunteers. All right. Before we go to Um, break, what do you think is the most important people, most important thing that people need to know right now about coronavirus and vaccines? Quickly. We've got to go to commercial. They're going to hit us with the music. It's unlikely that a a safe and effective vaccine will be available at least for several years. So we're going to be eating out of hockey boots for a while. (laughs) (laughs) No, I I think we need to get over the panic and be be a little more um, calm about our approach to coronavirus. All right, got it. Thank you so much, Dr. Dicer. Yeah, you were awesome. Thank you. Truly a pleasure having you on. Thank you. Thank you. Please stay tuned. More of the discussions and informative interviews you want to hear is on the way with Famila and Friends on The Answer San Diego. No topic is off the table, and these intellectuals tell it like it is. It's Famila and Friends on The Answer San Diego. Now here's your host, nurse, published biochemical researcher, and former congressional candidate, Famila Ramos. Welcome back. You're listening to Pamela and Friends. We're ready to wind down. So go ahead and grab yourself a glass of warm milk or a hottie toddy. Once again, (laughs) we're kicking this segment off with Dear Diary. And I hope our three listeners are ready for this one. This is our third week, man. I hope we got more than three <laughs> listeners. We better. Oh, my God, right? <laughs> I know. It is FM radio. Yeah. <laughs> so without further ado, um, Dear Diary, it's early morning, about 3.30 a.m., and I can't go back to sleep. My four-year-old's blunt kick to my stomach woke me up again. 
While I'm frustrated and sleep deprived, I smile and reminisce of the many times I stayed awake during my pregnancy because the little guy was kickboxing in my womb. But it wasn't just Luca that did this. It was Roman, Noel, and Isla. All four of my children were either kickboxers, ballet dancers, or aerobic instructors before birth. Um, Pregnancy can be a time of whirlwind emotions, uncomfortable heartburn, constant trips to the bathroom, and unexpected breathlessness. But I can honestly say, I miss the sleepless nights, my round watermelon-like belly, and the rhythmic sound of my baby's heartbeat at every doctor's visit. I looked forward to the warm, sticky gel application and the gentle prodding of the Doppler on my belly. And even the pesky hospital stress tests of kick counts that started when I became a geriatric mother. Mm. (laughs) First at the ripe age of 36, (laughs) and then again at 38. I only found out when I stole a glance at my chart. My doctor was polite enough not to ever mention my age. Oh, the joys and labels of pregnancy. (laughs) Although it sounded awful, being considered a geriatric mother never bothered me. Hearing the wonder of life growing inside me made up for it. I never got tired of listening to the sounds of my children's heartbeats. It was a calm reassurance set set against a background noise of a roaring ocean, powerful and beautiful, and it never got old, not even with my youngest. Mm -hmm. Pregnancy is an awe-inspiring miracle from the moment you hear the thumping of your baby's heart to the fluttery feeling you get when your baby begins to move to the time you see tiny handprints almost reaching out to you from underneath your belly. The most happiest and difficult times in my life were during pregnancy, and yet these were the priceless moments I felt most alive. And Christian Buchanan said it best, To be pregnant is to be vitally alive, thoroughly woman, and distressingly inhabited. Soul and spirit are stretched along with the body, making pregnancy a time of transition, growth, and profound beginnings. That's all she wrote, she being me. (laughs) So this question is directed to Kalina for obvious reasons. How did you feel during your pregnancy? What were were your best and worst moments? Oh, good question. Um, And I do see why this is aimed at me now, since it's only us as the ladies here. But, um, you know, I had an incompetent cervix, so I had to have something called a cerclage done in all three of my pregnancies, which is an emergency surgery where they Mm -hmm. kind of stitch me closed so I can't have a baby prematurely. So I was on bed rest for quite a few months, which with all three of my pregnancies, um, I was young. It was scary. It was, you know, no surgery is good. And this was terrifying because there was a chance that I could lose each baby. But I didn't. I have three <clears throat> beautiful kids. And, um, you know, I love it. And I would do it again in a heartbeat if I had to. All of it. Mm-hmm. You know, beautiful. I loved it. Beautiful. And to Elijah, because men can't get pregnant and will never become pregnant, no matter what the media or the <laughs> left tells you, how did you feel during your wife or girlfriend's Look, pregnancy? I felt bloated. <laughs> I gained like 20 pounds. I had a couple stretch marks, too. You that sympathy weight, family. You know what? Hey. It was rough. (laughs) Rough, rough. Okay, well, the miracle of life is truly precious, truly a blessing. Earlier during the show, we heard from Delia Luna from Silent Voices. Um, These are definitely the types of organizations that women and their families need to know about. Mm -hmm. Help does exist, and there are many pro-life ministries and medical clinics here in San Diego that can help with an unplanned pregnancy, from family planning to adoption and referrals to prenatal care to housing to even post-abortion support with truly no judgment at all. It's no secret that Planned Parenthood is the largest provider of abortions in the U.S. And according to the Susan B. Anthony list, abortions make up 95% of its pregnancy resolution services. Now, with that all said, how do you guys feel about Planned Parenthood and their motto, no judgment, just care? No judgment, just care. Well, killing babies is their priority. And we saw that last summer when they passed a million dollars of federal funding just because they didn't want to separate the, the abortion activities 
from the Title X support activities. Mm-hmm. Yeah, on. good point. Very good point. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know, I, I feel like there is judgment when you walk into a Planned Parenthood, or at least when I have. You know, they were very helpful when I needed birth control, when I needed help figuring out what to do when I was pregnant and young. Not so helpful. Like I said, the only solution was for me to have an abortion, and that's not always the only solution. It's not. True. Well, thank God we have a pro-life president, arguably one of the most pro-life presidents in history. Mm-hmm. Bottom line here is uh, Planned Parenthood sexualizes children, lies to women, dehumanizes the unborn, and kills babies. Changed my mind. I can't. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I had a really awful experience with them many years ago. I had an unplanned pregnancy and went to Planned Parenthood because I didn't have insurance like most young women. Yeah. Someone told me that they had prenatal care. Yeah, that's not true. That's <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, right? They'll test you. They'll see if you're pregnant. Yeah. Yeah. Well, long story short, an an employee tried steering me in the direction of an abortion, um, even mentioning I had no steady income. I was still in school. What was was I going to do with a baby? It was an easy procedure, Mm. da-da-da-da-da. Sure, I was young, broke, and desperate, but I wasn't buying what they were selling. And and now I have an 18-year-old graduating from St. Augustine High School, and I couldn't be more proud. So proud of you, Roman. Yes, Roman. Congratulations. (laughs) Yes. Have you guys seen the movie? Yes. Have you guys seen the movie Unplanned? Yes. The biggest yeah. pro-life movie. Well, last year, Abby Johnson's story Unplanned hit the big screen. She's a former Planned Parenthood director who resigned after seeing the horrific dismembering of a child during an abortion she assisted in. I mean, this was a really terrible scene for me. I cried. It was bad. Yeah. We yeah. All, I think we all cried. She's now a huge pro-life activist. I actually met her and heard her speak at the Culture of Life Gala last year. Phenomenal speaker. Had me in tears. Anyway, my foundation, The Right to Try, and I'll talk more about that in the future. Um, but out of viewing at one of the local theaters when the movie came out, we worked with Silent Voices. We had a mini pro-life event. I wanted people to know her Abby's story, more about Silent Voices, and then kind of changed the hearts of people who weren't pro-life yet. Yeah. Selena, you were there, and you were such a big help. Um, don't you remember the difficult time that the manager gave us the whole time we were there? Okay, so we actually hid a lot of that from you because you were busy schmoozing and making sure everything was going nicely. <laughs> um, and I didn't want to ruin your night, but they did not want us there. The manager kept sabotaging the movie. They would play it with no sound. They would play it with no, you know, nothing on the screen. They made it uncomfortable. They put us in a back corner. It was obvious, and they were not hiding the fact that they were not comfortable with what we were doing or what we were showing. And yeah. it's bit. That's crazy. I mean, but honestly, there's a culture of death that promotes abortion at the beginning of life and despair and suicide in the middle of euthanasia. Dying with dignity, these devils make the babies feel unwanted and make the elderly feel like an burden. Mm. Real society celebrates the beauty of new life and respects the experience of wild- wisdom of the elderly. Yeah. Yeah, I can't agree more. I mean, there's something I want to know. Have you guys ever been pro-life? Oh, wait, start. Can we do it over? Yes, yes, yes. I would just, I would just say it differently. Yeah, okay, okay say it Oh, we're starting with you again? Yeah. yeah okay. <laughs> that, that was too much. I'm still crying okay. from the first one. <laughs> Culture of life. <laughs> Ready? Yep. And three, two, one, go. Man, that is true. There's just a culture of life that supports... That is wrong. But it's such it, it's so true, but it's wrong, right? I'm dying. There's a culture in this life that supports <laughs> culture of no, death. No, it's culture of death. We cannot say culture of life. But the culture on this life. Oh my god, how many Producer, okay, okay, no, we can't just, say culture of life and then just, say we support no. Producer, how many much more many? In this life, there is a culture of I, death. I, I, I <laughs> What's the time on this, by the um, way? So we're at eight minutes right now. Eight minutes? Uh, okay. So you got another five. Okay, another five. All right, I'm going to look. Let's redo. Three, Uh-oh. two, one, Mike is hot. There's a culture of death that p- 
promotes abortion at the beginning of life and despair and suicide. And for me, it makes the elderly feel like a burden. And in real society, we celebrate the beauty of new life and respect the experience of the wisdom and the elderly. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, there's something I want to know. Have you guys always been pro-life? Oh, dun dun dun. Has I? Oh yeah, definitely. I've been pro-life all my life. I believe that life is from God and is holy, so only God can give life, and only God can take it away. Period. That's it. You know. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Definitely. Me, I, I like to just say, for me, life has always been a threat for the children. If you go to your Revelations Bible, you'll see Revelation 12. Says that there's a woman standing with the crown on her head, with the sun and the moon underneath their feet, and the dragon is waiting to devour the child. So every time she's having a child, he's going to have some difficulties, or she will. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, family, you know personally as a friend that I've had an abortion in the past, so mm-hmm. I have not always been pro-life. And I think in my young, twisted mind, even while getting an abortion, I maybe thought I was pro-life. And then I got older and I did the research and I really learned what it was. And now I can say that I am a warrior for pro-life, you know, Mm -hmm. and I truly am now. You are. You are. You were with me during um, 40 Days for Life. Yes. Thank you for covering. Thank you for asking. (laughs) Um, You know, I always thought I was pro-life, but I was only pro-life when it came to myself, um, if that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, I would never have an abortion because I believe that life begins at conception. But I felt uncomfortable imposing my opinions on others. Yeah. That must have been when you were a Democrat. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, but to be fair, Democrats are also Uh pro-life. I mean, but going back to the original point, that moment all changed when I saw a video a while back ago of a really graphic abortion, something I can never unsee. I mean, I don't know what the country of origin was. I don't know how old the baby was, but I'm pretty sure it was close to term. Um, In the video, you see the mother lying on a table with the baby's legs dangling out of her body. The doctor had forceps and scissors in his hands. He shoved them both inside her and began to tear the baby apart at its neck. Uh, He was butchering not only the baby, but also the mother. And at this point, I turned it off. Um, Wow. I couldn't get the horrible image out of my mind. I started crying. I took a shower. I, I threw up. Okay. And, and when you think about it, the, the horrors of abortion are the same no matter what the gestational age of the baby is. And, and without a doubt, it's wrong. Yeah. Absolutely wrong. Um, children are in, innocent and are instinctively trusting. Um, they rely on us to protect, feed, shelter, and love them. I mean, I don't believe this starts once they are born. I truly believe it begins in the womb. Damn right. I agree. Uh you know, I, I, it's like the movie that you showed us, the pro-life mm-hmm. movie. That I think, I think people should really get out and see that. Yes, I agree. So we have a couple moments left. I'd like to take this time and say a prayer for the unborn and their mothers. Um, I'm going to start with Jeremiah 1, 5. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. Lord, you are the creator of all things. You breathe life into every human before they leave the womb. Lord, we do not know how to stop something this horrible on our own. Please stop the enemy's lies from seeping in the minds of the confused. Take away the voice of the wicked. Help us have compassion on the women who made or were forced to make this choice and are now suffering the consequences. Surround them with your love and remind them that your sacrifice covers even this. We pray for our government to change laws and close the doors of abortion clinics. We pray for a renewal of family and faith in the world. And may the church come alongside single parents and families in need, helping to raise these children for Christ. In your almighty name, Jesus, by which all things are possible. Amen.
Tune in at this same time every week for more Family and Friends on The Answer San Diego. This program is sponsored by Biotech Holdings.